of the SBC History Podcast. We cover the people, places, and events of the history of the Southern Baptist Convention. We shine light on the past to guide us in the present. How you doing, Chris? I'm good. How are you doing, Luke? I'm good. I've made it here through, uh, it's March now, and we haven't been on in a while, but I've got some really good excuses, but that's all they are. So, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, let's not say what people tell you, what excuses are like, right? right. Remember that? Yeah, it's not good. Not safe for podcast. NSFP. How about that? Not safe for podcast. Yeah, I get Did it. I get that right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, hey, I'm, so, hip, uh, I'm up on the what, lingo. Yeah. What are we doing today? Well, we're going to talk about uh, women in the uh, SBC history, uh, looking at some uh, important ladies who have. Uh, kind of paved the way for a lot of the other ladies in the convention. It's shocking that you would know or would to, to find out that the ladies in our fair convention have not always been treated um, with uh, dignity and respect. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, a lot of history that is there yeah. that, uh, to uncover. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But uh, this past February, and it was kind of a milestone in the convention uh, because it marked 100 years since women were first allowed to vote at the uh, SBC annual meeting, um, which is crazy to think, which I know 100 years is a long time, but to think that, you know, the convention's yeah. much older than 100 years and women were yeah. not allowed to, to vote. Matter of fact, I, I'm sure, were they even allowed to attend? I mean, were they allowed to go, but but just sit and watch? I mean, I, right. I don't know. Right. Anyhow, but Baptist Press did a great article uh, about that event and really kind of the history of how that uh, came to take place. So I was thinking today we could spend some time talking about the role that these women have played, uh, not just at the annual meeting, but really in Baptist life in general. Right. It was 1918 when that happened, when that vote happened, but anybody who's paid attention to Baptist life would know that there's a prominent role the women have played in our churches and institutions. Yeah. Our two most prominent offerings are named after women, Lottie Moon and Annie Armstrong. And in fact, those two women have done as much or more for missions, awareness and education than probably any people in SBC history. Mm-hmm. But not just in the SBC either. When, women have held together many churches and families over the years. They've been central to the growth of churches, to seminaries, and so much more. One great example I found of this is Lucinda Williams. She and her husband moved to a small town in Texas, 1868. Back then, Dallas was a town of just about 2,000 people. Ah, about the size of Hennessy. Right. So other people had tried to start a church in Dallas. They had no luck. But Lucinda Williams was instrumental in the beginning of First Baptist Dallas through her prayer and her leadership. And she was one of the 11 charter members along with her husband. Bless her. I wonder if she'd turn over in her grave now that she knows what's going on down there. Wait, okay, just did I say stop. that? I think I was thinking that. <laughs> you can probably edit that out. Uh, there are also two other famous women in Baptist life in Texas. Uh, Mrs. Massey Millard and Annette Bledsoe. Uh, these two ladies helped start the Women's Society of Texas. It's said that they actually held the first prayer meeting in Texas in 1832 near Nacogdoches. Now, uh, um, they gathered her children and family in the thicket to keep them safe from the Indian tribes that were around them, especially when her husband was away. And she 
always prepared, or excuse me, always prayed in the thicket. Uh, and soon other mothers and families began to join them there. And then soon men began to join in this prayer meeting led by these two women also. And that thicket provided safety for them from Indians and from other churches who frowned on that type of thing. Shocking that there'd be other churches that would frown on ladies spending time praying. But, you know, the old King James does say that a woman should learn in full quietness and submission. And I think some took that out of context and probably used that um, incorrectly. What would you say, Luke? Uh, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna go with you on that one. I'm on fire today, man. Man, it's good. It's a good thing we're not talking about anything controversial or anything. Yeah, that's exactly right. Exactly right. The the history of churches show that same pattern. Sometimes in front, though often behind the scenes, women women are important parts of churches. They were like, still are like FBC Nashville, Richmond, or Oklahoma City. Women have been particularly important in the promotion of missions. In South Carolina, women were instrumental in missions through the Wadmalo and Adisto Society. This is thought to be the South's first female missionary society. They sold bread, they raised money for missions, and they gave $112.50 for their first offering. If awesome. you give inflation, that's over $1,000 in today's money. That's that's, that's a lot of bread. That is, that's a lot of bread. And bread. Uh, bread. That's right. I see what you did there. Thank now, you. Uh, it's also said that uh, the first contribution to the Triennial Convention in uh, 1814 was $50 and given to missions by a woman in attendance. Uh, So women have played a very crucial role in uh, missions sending. And one of the best books on this subject uh, is by historian Leon Macbeth and it's titled Women in Baptist Life. And it shares tons of stories that illustrate uh, all the ways that so many of these women have contributed to SBC life. So uh, as we come to the history of the SBC, thinking specifically, even though women were an important part of SBC life, they were still denied a seat at the table at the SBC meeting. WMU had their own separate meeting at the time. Uh, Annie Armstrong refused to talk to the SBC meeting because she didn't want to talk to a group of men. She wouldn't. But the WMU and Annie Armstrong were also instrumental in race relations in the SBC. Armstrong addressed the National Baptist Convention, the African-American Baptist Convention. She addressed their Women's Missionary Convention. And then in 1904, the two groups held a joint meeting. It was the first desegregated gathering of Baptist women in the South. The joint funding projects continued. There was a long line of friendships between WMU leaders and uh, Nanny Helen Burroughs. She was Armstrong's counterpart in the African-American Convention. That's cool. Well, nothing changed, though, in regard to women at the uh, SBC annual meeting uh, until uh, 1877. Myra Graves of uh, Texas, she was a widow of uh, President Henry Graves, or former Baylor president, excuse me, University, Baylor University president. Uh, she became what Baptist historian Charles DeWeese says was the first female delegate to the SBC, registering as M.E. Graves, and doing so again in 18. 18- 82. Again, this is from that article in the Baptist Press, which is a, a great article written on it. But the issue of female delegates came to a head in 1885. So she um, um, registered as M.E. So I'm sure many people did not know um, that that did not 
that stood for Myra rather than a, a, a male's name. But when these two ladies in 1885, uh, Mrs. J.P. Eagle and Mrs. M.D. Early were announced to the convention, they were delegates from Arkansas. A Virginia pastor, J. William Jones, claimed that they were ineligible to serve, and the question was referred to a five-member committee. Shocking that we as Baptists would send it to a committee. Now, the committee's majority report um, by then uh, Southern Baptist Theological Seminary co-founder Basil Manley Jr. and two others, they said this, it did not deem it expedient for and for the best interests of the convention to allow ladies to come as members. That That's sounds like a Alabama, committee report. It does sound like a committee report. The Alabama Baptist further reported, but they saw nothing in the Constitution, though, that would prevent their membership in uh, um, uh, churches. But well, I don't know about them coming to the convention, right? Uh, they, now, the, listen, these just weren't any women. Uh, J.P. Eagle, uh, Mr. J.P. Eagle, uh, he was later president of the Southern Baptist Convention. He was the president of the Arkansas Baptist Convention at the time that she came and uh, was announced as a delegate. And he later became governor of Arkansas. So this is not like this was uh, just some random, but right. uh, obviously influence. This was a pronounced effort uh, to bring about some sort of um, justice in a social atmosphere. Can I say it that way, Chris? Yeah, that's good. Uh, yeah. Maybe they were fighting for it in a warrior type way. No, I don't. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, the early SJWs of right. the SBC. So it's a great line. It says it's not expedient, but there's nothing that prevents their membership. Well, it's not illegal. We just don't like it. Yeah, that's basically it. So they found nothing wrong, but the convention voted to accept a minority report. So get this, these, Hmm. the majority report says it's not expedient, but there's nothing wrong with it. But a minority report uh, said we should refuse them seating. And then the SBC president told the recording secretary to leave out all mention of the questions, the debate, and the decision out of the record. Now, can you imagine this year if J.D. Greer says that to the recording secretary, Baptist Twitter would just explode, <laughs> just melt the, down. That's right. The SB like explainer would have a hard time with that. So the annual record, if you go read, you can read on the Southern Baptist Historical Library and Archives mm-hmm. site, uh, the annual record of that year mm-hmm. makes no mention of this, but does say in 1885 that the messengers voted to change the SBC Constitution, the statement that uh, the convention shall, con- shall consist of members is what it said, and they replaced it with the convention shall consist of brethren. Oh, oh, I see what they're doing there. So you? we know these. We know this happened from other records, newspapers, and other things. But that's all, all it says. Shall consist of members and replace it with shall consist of brethren. Hashtag oh. words matter. Exactly. Well, uh, Leon Macbeth makes the note that in the midst of all that wrangling, there was a brother there that exclaimed, I love the ladies, but I dread them worse. <laughs> and so, uh, that could be said of my eighth grade year, uh, or really pretty much all of my junior and high school years. Um, but, uh, You've got uh, that t-shirt. Again, can you edit that, that out? I don't, I don't I'm going to sell that this year at the convention. <laughs> exactly. Hashtag dread them worse. Dread them worse. That's too much. So in 1917, Robert Coleman was music minister at First Baptist Dallas. 
made the motion to allow women to be messengers. It passed without much debate, but then a point of order was made, of course, that to change the bylaws, it had to be two-thirds of messengers, not just messengers present. So imagine there was, I don't know the numbers, 2,000 messengers registered, but only 1,000 in the room. Well, it was two-thirds of those in the room, but not all of those registered, and so the motion was ruled defeated. So Coleman was very well known in SBC. He led music at the meeting many times. It, it wasn't unlike how we've seen prominent SBC leaders today involved in discussions and motions on the floor. Right. It, it was a prominent name and people know him. And we've seen that in the past. I can name mm-hmm. person after person who mm-hmm. stepped up to a mic and made some motions and things that, man, I remember getting chills sometimes and remember sitting there. And in one particular video, I think you can be seen in the background of it, Chris. Uh, yes. Standing, uh, clapping as, yeah, I was, was having yeah. a, uh, yeah, it definitely, definitely, I was a YouTube celebrity. Right. Um, okay. So I wasn't really a celebrity, but you could just see my bald head um, so, on the YouTube. So they, the next year, a committee appointed by the SBC, this is 18, to study the issue, couldn't come to an agreement. Coleman wanted to drop it, but Oklahoma leader, F.M. McConnell, he was the leader of the uh, BGCO at that time, and others asked for it to be read. It took some legal wranglings, but the SBC allowed female messengers to the SBC, and it was the the first time that that had happened, and they were allowed to be messengers and vote even before they were allowed to vote in the U.S. Well, at least we were leading the way a little bit, right? Um, but still... What a struggle. Right. It's crazy to think about what time was like then and, and oh, how yeah. those discussions were so heated, but, but also because of an incorrect interpretation of Scripture, right. but how they stood on it as if it were a correct interpretation right. of Scripture, very dogmatic. Um, and that's not to say that uh, by any means we should um, throw out any uh, you know conservative interpretation of Scripture but it is to say that we need to make sure we're on the right side of the interpretation. So uh, now over the years, women <clears throat> have continued to increase their role in uh, Southern Baptist life. I mean, think about many ways uh, the history of missions in the SBC is, is really history of women as well. You know, right. Lottie Moon, uh, Bertha Smith, uh, Mina Everett, uh, Rosalie Appleby, I mean, and just so many others we've, we've covered. Um, and that we haven't covered that have yeah. made such a lasting impact for the kingdom of God and a huge impact on the values and work of, of Southern Baptists. Yeah. And um, if, if those are names that people don't know, we all know Lottie Moon, but you need to go find a book about Bertha Smith and read it. Mm-hmm. You go find yeah. out Rosalie Appleby. She was Man, the, yeah. uh, we know her in Oklahoma. She was the first person mm-hmm. called to missions at False Creek yeah. Campground in Oklahoma in 1917. That year, when they were wrangling about it, she was being called to missions at False Creek, and she uh, surrendered, went to Oklahoma Baptist University, got married, moved to Brazil. Her husband died about six months after she moved there, but she stayed, and and she was called to missions and with without her husband, and she continued to do the work. And her story there is is wonderful. Her stories of so many others as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's incredible. Uh, now, moving into the modern era, though, um, 1963, Mrs. R.L. Mathis was president of the uh, WMU. She was elected as second vice president of the convention, right. and she became the first woman to preside 
over the SBC meeting. Now, did she, okay, second vice president doesn't give a, a an address or as some would call it a sermon. So I guess that's why right, they right. allowed that to happen. Or, or was this, was this something to help fuel that conservative resurgence? I, I don't know. Anyhow, uh, Mrs. Carl Bates uh, was elected second vice president in 1976. And Mrs. Mrs. Mathis, um, Right, the president, the vice, second vice president, sixty-three, was nominated for the president in nineteen seventy-two meeting. Now, clearly, she uh, right. was not elected, but she was nominated. Right. So, you know, women serve on every level of SBC life. Uh, they work as tellers. Uh, they work on committees. They, they serve on boards, um, and and obviously on the program and platform for the annual meeting. In 2016, Amy Whitfield, a uh, friend of the podcast, shout out to Amy, uh, was the first female parliamentarian at the annual meeting, um, a SBC historian, which uh, we are a big fan of. Uh, and there, now there are four women on the IMB presidential uh, search team um, that uh, brought um, uh, Chitwood. Uh, yeah, Dr. Chitwood uh, to, uh, uh, to the IMB. And, and then there's a, a woman who's serving on the SBC executive committee search team who will be announcing their uh, candidate in the, the coming week or two. Uh, so there, many women have, have moved into some leadership roles uh, serving in the convention. So uh, just this spring, Becky Gardner was named chairman of the trustees at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary, one of our seminaries. And she's thought to be probably the first woman to ever do that. And I would imagine that she would definitely be the first woman to ever do so. Um, There was uh, some rumblings and grumblings about uh, um, whether or not a woman could serve even as a uh, role of SBC president. And that caught some uh, fire on the Twitter and on some uh, prominent Baptist blogs uh that you and i uh frequently read right and so i'm sure that beth moore listens to our podcast uh that yeah yeah that's 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 what i was referring to um and uh, i'm sure that was quite a uh, quite a conversation that many had uh and 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 sure so yeah i mean but 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 that being said um women um throughout our history and really let's say our more recent history right. have really risen to the top yeah. um, in roles um, that we believe or I believe um, are roles that they can they can hold biblically um, and they do a wonderful job of so yeah. um, it has taken several years for us to get to the point where we can um, uh, be comfortable um, let's put it that way yeah. um, with um, the correct interpretation I should say of allowing these ladies some roles in leadership, but we're finally there and hopefully paving the way for uh, your little girls and my little girl too, yeah. um, as they are raised in, uh, in the SBC life. There's uh, yeah, there's when I think about my own daughters, I have three daughters and, and uh, I love for them to maybe not marry pastors. I'm not sure about that, but to uh, be involved in the SBC mm-hmm. and the work and the missions that we're doing and, there's no way we could cover the history of every one of the SBC. It's too vast. It's too wide. It's too deep. What we've done is just scratch the surface. We haven't even talked about the role pastor's wives serve. Uh, we haven't mentioned that, which our wives don't listen to this anyway, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> or uh, the ways that they served in WMU or associational missions. Uh, we just renamed our association the our missional offering, the Dortha Hales. 
associational offering for the way she served in leading WNU, our association, for decades. And involved as they have been, I would say that we need more involvement of women at all levels. Yeah. I think it'll make our churches stronger and make overall the convention stronger as well. Yeah, I agree. You know, we, we made a great decision here uh, at my church uh, where I pastor. Uh, two or three years ago, we hired a, uh, a female part-time children's minister. Um, and uh, we've now uh, had our second female children's minister on staff uh, with us serving a part-time role. But uh, she does an incredible job, a uh, phenomenal job. Uh, laying out uh, um, uh, plans and direction for our students, um, seeing them come to, to, to place their faith and confidence in Christ and, and seeing them be discipled. And, and, uh, um, and so just on a local level, uh, just how incredible she has been and, and others. It's countless other ladies who serve on church staffs or are spouses yeah. of those that serve on church staffs. Um, and, and then on that, uh, how many single women are serving across the globe yeah. with the IMB. Well, and sometimes we say with derision, it's an old church and just four old women left and this and that. And and maybe there's things to say, but the fact is those women have often held the church together over the years. That's right. And uh, the history right. of my church is, a, is the history of the men who have led it, of pastors, but pastors have come and gone. And uh, a lot of those families have held it together over the years. And the history of the convention is that way as well. The history of, of women is the history of the convention. They go hand in hand. They're not separate. So that's just a scratch on the surface. That's all we can do. Um, I've, uh, I'm going to go start making those T-shirts, uh, dread them worse. And, uh, there you go. Hashtag. I like it. See what we can do I like it. from there. Let's so get that started on social media. I don't have social media, so yeah. I'm going to need you to get that started. Yeah. Um, You're one of those but, cool uh, people yeah. without it. And I uh, am a real hipster. Yeah. A uh, real hipster. And listen, if it wasn't for politics and college football, I'd have social media. But um, my, 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 my thorn in the flesh was my attitude on social media. So I just decided to nip it. That's so funny because your th it. my thorn in the flesh was your attitude on social media. <laughs> I really appreciate that, uh, jerk. Um, but uh, I do what I can. I do what I can. Uh, I'm glad that I'm able to help you not stumble any longer. Right. Uh, no more millstones tied around my neck. Right. So that's uh, okay. SBC History for this week. Make sure and check it out. And... Uh, and check us out online. Share this podcast with your friends, family, and uh, and we'll see you next time. All right.